Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith, Thursday, June 4th, 2015. All right, last-second modifications here. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There is no shortage of crazy, bizarre things being said out there. We take the time to actually you know, unpack all this stuff, and and show and demonstrate that what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets and prophetesses, that what they're saying doesn't actually square with what God's Word says. And as a result of it, they're not actually teaching historic, orthodox, biblical Christianity and sound doctrine, but instead oftentimes are teaching for shameful gain the things that they ought not to teach. Now, I I have to warn you about today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. I have to warn you because <laughs> what it is that you are going to hear in some parts of today's episode of Fighting for the Faith are, it's, <laughs> wow, that's all I can say. It's, wow, today is, it's, it's the it's wow edition of Fighting for the Faith. Maybe that's what I'll, I'll call it. Yeah, it's um we're in fact let's just talk about what we're going to do and then I think get right to it. I'm going to have to play our standard warning. And you have to understand that when I play the standard warning, even though I'm playing it in hour number 1, it it most certainly applies for the whole program, especially when we get into hour 2 uh for the sermon review. Um <laughs> Yeah, this I yeah, I I don't even know how to prepare anybody for the sermon review. So yeah, yeah, just be seated, take care of yourself, protect yourself, take all of the proper precautions. I think that's a good way to put it. Today's episode of Fighting for the Faith, there will be some high watermarks in the insanity department. And so uh, here's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to start off with the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate uh, update. And, uh, and uh, well, uh, Katie Sousa, who is... I mean, as theologically sharp as, you know, uh, as a bag of wet mice. Um, she is, uh, she recently appeal, uh, appeared, appealed, she appeared on Sid Roth's 
uh, television program. It's Supernatural. They did a special mentoring session with Katie Sousa. And, oh, man, uh, the fact that Sid Roth would think that Katie Sousa is somebody who genuinely, for real, operates in manifestations and gifts of healing of and you know power by the Holy Spirit should tell you something about Sid Roth. I mean, the fact that he's incapable of spotting somebody as blatantly phony as uh, as Katie Sousa should tell you something about his discernment skills. Uh, but then again, uh, Sid Roth has never been one that to pass along. Uh, well, how should we say, sound biblical exegetes and those who rightly handle God's word and those who you know, can proclaim Christ and him crucified for our sins. Yeah, no, the It's Supernatural program is all about chasing uh, supernatural phenomena, you know, as if somehow, you know, that's what Christianity is all about. It's, it's majoring in the minors, if you would. Um, and by the way, Every miracle, every manifestation, every spirit always comes with a theology. And so it doesn't matter if somebody is capable of operating in genuine gifts of healing. And I'm not saying these people do, but this is something to keep in mind, is that just because somebody legitimately performs a sign or a wonder does not automatically mean that that sign or wonder comes from God. Nope. Uh, in fact, Scripture makes it clear, Jesus makes it clear in the Olivet Discourse that in the final days that the, you know, you know that false Christs and false prophets would perform signs and wonders to mislead, if possible, even the elect. So uh, the existence of a supernatural occurrence does not automatically mean that the source of that you know supernatural thing is the uh, the one true God. You always have to test the theology that comes with the miracle or the spirit or whatever. And uh, and so none of these things comes to us without a theology. Let me give you an example. Um you know that is not necessarily you know in the Christian world, but uh, you know over the past decade uh one of the more popular types of reality television programs have been those paranormal investigation uh type uh, programs, you know, you think of Ghost Hunters and, and you know things like that on the Sci-Fi Channel and other channels where you know they, they follow investigative teams as they go out and look for a way of recording scientifically the existence of spirits and things like that. Well, the the issue is is that that all comes with a theology. Every one of those programs is promoting a theology, and you're thinking. Well, they're not trying to, you know, to, you know, be theological. Yeah, I understand that, but you cannot touch on these topics without bringing a theology. So here's the theology that comes with these things: is that, um, you know, when when these paranormal investigators go out and they capture an EVP or things like that, you know, and they'll say, you know, the, the supposedly a little girl died on this on this property back in 1876. And uh, and she died in a fire. And this this voice that we're catching in our scientific equipment, we can hear the voice of a little girl, and it has to be that little girl. Now you're thinking, okay, so where's the theology in that? Well, here's the theology. That the the theology that comes along with that is the theology that teaches that human beings after their death, that their spirits can linger and hang around, and Scripture does not say that. 
that it, it based, scripture teaches that it's appointed for man to live once and then face the judgment. And so um, scripture does not teach that human beings are capable of you know, hanging around in a disembodied form uh, here on earth. As a result of that, these paranormal programs create a theology that runs against scripture. And this is the kind of thing that, believe it or not, it's kind of, if you were to think of Christian doctrine as a fabric, you know, as a woven fabric, um, these types of paranormal investigative shows, because these spirits come with a theology, and that theology is contrary to Scripture, so if when somebody buys into the contrary theology, it's like taking you know, a thread from a, a piece of ro- woven fra- fabric and and starting to tease it out, and by teasing it out, the fabric itself starts to unravel. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. So the the, the, the way I look at it is is that those you know spirits, oh, they're for real. They're just not human spirits. Those are demons, you know, basically uh, masquerading as disembodied human spirits in order to deceive people, because all of these things come with a theology. So the idea is is that. The occurrence of something supernatural or paranormal does not tell us anything about the source. Remember, we can't see these things. And so we have to trust what we can objectively hang on to, and that's Scripture. And Scripture teaches us how to interpret these things. And uh, when we look at paranormal investigations and things like that, oh, yeah, they're running into something spiritual, all right. It's just not disembodied little girls and things like that. No, these are demons who are masquerading as human beings and by doing so are teaching a deceptive theology designed to attack and undermine Christian doctrine and theology. That's what they are up to. So something to keep in mind. So, But uh, anyway, you kind of get the idea of where we're going to be heading today. Uh, uh, so, we, you know, like, so, okay, we've talked about... Uh, we're going to talk about Katie Sousa's appearance. We're going to do a Larry Huck update. Uh, yeah, the, you know, the season of Pentecost is upon us. And, uh, well, everybody knows that Pentecost, well, that was originally a, a Hebrew, uh, you know, high holy day when people, uh, it was one of the three times a year when uh, the ancient people of Israel were supposed to appear before God in the city of Jerusalem. So uh, it must be a time for what I would call a, a Pentecost payday for Larry Huck. So, We'll take a listen to that. Um, sometime in there, we'll take a break, and uh, and then we'll end off hour number one by listening to a portion of a sermon delivered by T.D. Jakes entitled Dry Places. Dry Places. And yeah, this is one of those really dry sermons in the sense that we're not getting any biblical rain or the, or the, or the wonderful water of the gospel, if you would. Instead, uh, T.D. Jakes is kind of like a waterless rain cloud in this Dry Places sermon, and we'll listen to that. And then in hour number two, we're going to head to uh, Jubilee Church in Sydney, Australia, and uh, we're going to be listening to Izzy de... Uh, I can't even pronounce her last name. Izzy de Gersingy. I can't... Yeah, yeah, I probably messed that up from Jubilee uh, Church in Sydney, and... Uh, <sighs> I don't even know what to think about what it is that we're going to hear. So I don't even know what the name of the sermon is. I would just say hang on and hold on tight. So it's going to be just one of those things. So that's what we're going to be doing for today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. I strongly recommend that you make yourself comfortable. And, uh, And because of the fact that today's episode is going to have some 
just off-the-chain bizarre things, I'm going to play our standard warning, and then we will get right to it. Here we go. Warning. Fighting for the faith can be dangerous to your health. Listening with caution is strongly urged while doing any of the following activities. Operating heavy, deadly equipment, playing Farmville, or any time-wasting, brain-numbing activity. For sudden awakening at the sound of a particularly stupid isogetical statement could cause neck strain. Drinking liquids, drinking hot liquids, having liquids too nearby, not having any liquids nearby. The following medical conditions have been known to occur while listening to Fighting for the Faith. Cranial keyboard embedment syndrome, sinu-nasal liquid spewment disorder, steering wheel pounding clenched fist strain, continual gaping dry mouth atosis, and frustrative disbelief brain explosion. Please take proper precautions. Drinking straws, padding, and duct tape are recommended. Yeah, you have been warned. Here we go. Time for a Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update. Here we go. Down at an English fair, one evening I was there. When I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. There they are, standing in a row. Big one, small one, some as big as your head. Give them a twist, a flick of the wrist, that's what the chairman said. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Every ball you throw will make me rich. There stands me wife, the idol of me life. Singing roll a bell, a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roll a bell, a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roll a bell, a ball, a penny a pitch. Roll a bell, a ball, roll a bell, a ball, sing and roll a bell, a ball, a penny, a pitch. All right. That's, uh, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. That's our Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate Update Music. Now, what we're going to be listening to is Katie Sousa's appearance on a special mentoring session of Sid Roth's It's Supernatural. And... Um, <laughs> All I could say is that if you're squeamish or, you know, do, you know, that, you know, maybe you could lose your lunch as somebody mentions, well, so supposedly supernatural healings and goes into great detail regarding the medical conditions and how they supposedly were healed. Uh, <laughs> this could uh, cause you to toss your cookies. I, I'm just saying. So. This is like the ooh factor to the nth degree. But again, Katie Sousa, we've demonstrated over and again here at Fighting for the Faith. This woman is it literally, and see, this is kind of my point, is the fact that she she is so phony baloney, it's not even funny, um, that you know, it's, it takes somebody with absolutely no biblical discernment whatsoever to, you know, to... You know, recognize that that she is just a charlatan. But it, it, the best way I can put it is is that if I handed each of you, you know, in, in a, a seven dollar bill, and told you, "Hey, go spend this at Walmart," you'd all look at me like there's no such thing as a seven dollar bill. That's right. Same, you know, that's what Katie Sousa is. She's like a $7 bill or a $3 bill. I mean, that's how bad the counterfeiting is. And yet, well, um, yeah, Sid Roth is promoting her. But uh, let's listen in as she claims all kinds of strange healings and gives all kinds of gross medical details regarding them. Here we go. There are people here that have foot issues that are going to be healed. Foot issues. I feel like somebody has um, fungus in their toenail. That has been a reoccurring problem, and that's going to die because it says that when we confess our offenses. Can everybody hear me? Is there, oh, I'm sorry. Can you all hear me now? Okay. That when we, when we confess our offenses, 
that we will be healed. And that word healed means to be healed of diseases, ailments, sickness, sicknesses, disorders, bacteria. Uh, yeah. So are, are you suffering from foot fungus or toenail fungus? I mean, yeah, everybody knows that that ingrown toenail fungus is just absolutely the bane of uh, Western uh, 21st century um, society. Um, so, I mean, some of you out there right now, you're suffering from toenail fungus. It's going to die because, you know, everybody knows because, you know, you know, when you confess your offenses, that means you're going to be saved. And that means you're going to be healed from toenail fungus. Right. Viruses, infections. I mean, we didn't get to tell the story, but a woman in Texas was listening to this teaching and, um, I had a word of knowledge about a belly button. I said, somebody here has a cyst in your belly button. It's going to pop and drain right now in the meeting without anybody touching it but Jesus. Uh, oh, man. I'm going to toss my cookies. <laughs> and she did. She had an infection so bad in her belly button that it had spread like tentacles throughout her entire stomach. And it was red and inflamed and um, full of infection. And when I said that word of knowledge, she had been, you know, gone through the teaching and it popped and drained, and uh, all the redness and the swelling went, and the and the hole even closed up where all the pus drained out. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, oh, yeah, that is just nasty. You know, um, I've, <clears throat> you know, I've had things I've had to pop and drain in the past, and um, you know, not that I like discussing these things on the air, but the thing I've noticed is is that you know when I've had something you know of that magnitude that needed to be popped and drained, you know, you think of a blister or something like that. That to generally when they pop and you got to drain it, you're, you're going to need something to catch the the drainage. You know what I'm saying? You know, maybe some Kleenex or some rags, or, you know, or things like that. And so, you know, here she's basically telling one whopper of a story, if you would. So she's at this healing, this woman in Texas, unnamed woman in Texas, just, you know, she had a belly button, you know, cyst of some type and tentacles and all kinds of, yuck. And uh, and Jesus popped it right there on the spot and then healed the, where it popped. But see the thing, where did the you know the the ooze go? Is you know kind of my question. And why am I discussing this on the air? Yeah. So I decree right now that that fungus that's in somebody's toenail is going to be healed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there we go. That toenail fungus. Name of Jesus right now. Somebody has a bilateral uh, problem in their system. I don't even know what that is, but God is going to heal. Yeah, so God's going to heal a bilateral problem in somebody's system. I mean, what does that mean exactly to have a bilateral problem? Somebody has a ear reoccurring ear infection that's happening, a pain in the right ear. And by the way, Sid Roth is standing right next to her. I mean, they're in the studios of It's Supernatural. That is going to be healed in the name of Jesus. And, you know, when I say these words of knowledge, as we go through the activation, you should be testing yourself because that is your move of faith to come into agreement with what. What? Activation, you know, word of agreement. What are you talking about? Where does scripture talk about any of this stuff? I was doing it. I felt the power hit my ear right there in Jesus name. And somebody tripped and fell and their ankle is swollen. And God is healing that too. Teeth problems. Can I step down here or no? Teeth. So, so we got foot fungus, uh, a foot problem. Um, okay, yeah. Problems in the name of Jesus. Teeth problems are going to be healed. 
Yeah, so you got bad dental work. This is all going to be fixed by Katie Sousa, you know. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. But let's, I want to do a deeper soak because I really want to. You want to do a what? You've been offended for years. Do you agree? And every time you let yourself get offended, it made a wound. Now, you may have repented and that was good. But we didn't understand that that sin made a wound. And the wound is still there until dunamis comes and and wipes it out. (laughs) (laughs) So when you sin, you made a wound, you didn't know it. And, you know, and it's there until dunamis comes and wipes it out. Yeah, dunamis being the the Greek word for power and authority. Um, (laughs) Oh, man. I, that that um, that people are taking this woman seriously is um, beyond me at this point. And heals it, and so that's why you know people go, "But I repented, but I'm still sick." See, that's why you still are sick because the wound is still there. Right, because Dudamus hasn't come and hit, you know closed up the wound. You know, didn't understand that we needed both the cross and the resurrection, the power from the resurrection. Oh, see, that's what everybody forgot. <laughs> yeah, everybody's applying the cross, but they forgot to apply the resurrection. Right, yeah. That's why you're still sick, even though you repented your face off. And people will even come and say horrible things like, well, you must have some secret sin. You know, honestly, I believe that there are people out there that have secret sin. But I believe that the majority of believers really want to obey God. And they're repenting their faces off. Yeah. So, okay. By the way, you know the the secret sin thing is that that's kind of the standard parlance. You know, so you have somebody who's in the charismatic Pentecostal movement, right? And uh, and they've been told, listen, you know, by Christ's you know wounds you are healed. You know, what is Isaiah fifty? By his stripes we are healed. So you, God wants you to have perfect health and perfect wealth. And and so what happens is is that somebody says, yeah, but I did everything you said. Okay, you know, I decreed and declared, I came into agreement, I activated my faith, and uh, and I still have cancer, and the doctor says I'm still going to die in like four weeks. And then, so what do you do, what does a person like that oftentimes hear? Well, yeah, the reason for that is pro- it's your fault. You don't have enough faith, maybe there's secret sin in your life. Yeah, the, the, the problem is always on you, ne- never on the false teacher who's teaching you falsely. Yeah, that, that's, that, that option is cut off. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man. So her new thing, uh, yeah, it's okay. What, you, I, I don't believe the secret sin stuff. Okay, so, so she's repudiating those out there in her own movement who are using that as the excuse to why healings don't come. So she's saying you're you're not you're not applying the resurrection and and you're you're repenting your face off. And most Christians really want to obey. Okay, so why is it that they're not getting their healing again? And so people come to them and say you got some secret sin and you're thinking I've repented for everything I can never think of plus things I never even did I repented for. And so it only ends up injuring people. When that is said to people, but what it was is it was because we didn't understand that our sin wounds our soul. Yeah, see, we forgot all of that. Yeah, our sin wounds our soul. That's why. 
you got an open wound and dunamis hasn't come yet. Which passage of scripture says that exactly again, Katie? And that wound is still there. Amen? No. So bow your heads. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, man. I mean, that... I mean, the theology there is just so really awful that, you know, it's absolutely criminal that uh, Sid Roth would have Katie Sousa, you know, on his program, you know, doing her thing. I and mean, she's really wounding people with this false teaching that she's putting forward and spewing there. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Quick break. When we come back, uh, we have a T.D. Jakes update as well as a Larry Huck update. Not in that order. We'll reverse the order when we come back. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Doesn't it bother you how some Christians are quick to argue about theology? Jesus didn't die for correct theology. Wait a minute. Did you catch the double standard in that statement? What double standard? You just said that Jesus didn't die for correct theology. Yeah, so what? Do you believe that statement is accurate? Of course I do. So if you think that statement is accurate, would it be safe to say that you think that statement is correct? Of course I think it's correct. That goes without saying. If I think the statement is accurate I obviously think it's correct. I wouldn't have made the statement if I didn't think it was accurate or correct. Did you notice that your statement was making a theological point? Well, yes, I suppose it was. So let me see if I've correctly understood the statement you made. Okay. You said it bothers you how some Christians are quick to argue theology. Yes. That's what I said. It sounds like you're saying that it bothers you that some Christians argue theology in order to prove that something that you believe or have been taught is not correct? Well, um, yes, I guess that's what I was saying. But then you made a theological argument to try to prove that Christians shouldn't argue theology. Well, um, yes. So, on the one hand you say that it bothers you that Christians argue theology in order to prove your theology wrong but then on the other hand... You turned right around and employed a theological argument in order to prove that arguing theology is wrong. That's cheating. You can't use a theological argument in order to prove that arguing theology is wrong. That's like using logic to prove that logical argumentation is wrong or using a mathematical equation to prove that using math is wrong. I knew it. Knew what? You're one of those people. 
What do you mean by those people? You're one of those people who loves theology more than people. What on earth are you talking about? You're a close-minded blogger who lives in her mother's basement and spends every day in her pajamas on a beanbag typing away on a laptop while eating cheetahs and drinking Mountain Dew. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Morning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think all those people claiming miraculous healings without any giving without giving any medical proof that they're not telling the truth and they're not really working in the Holy Spirit. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $8.95 every month. That's it to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. It's a great way to support us. Of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support, because we truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. Moving along, time for a money-grubbing televangelist update. I've got 90,000 pounds in my pajamas. I've got 40,000 French francs in my fridge. I've got lots of lovely lira now. The Deutsche Mark's getting dearer and my dollar bills would buy the Brooklyn Bridge. There is nothing quite as wonderful as money. There is nothing quite as beautiful as cash. Some people say it's folly, but I'd rather have the lolly. With money you can make a splash. Quite as wonderful as money. Money, money, money. There's nothing like a newly minted pound. Money, money, money. Everyone must anger for the bunchness of a banker. It's accountancy that makes the world go round, round, round. You round, can keep round, your Marxist ways, but it's only just a phrase. For it's money, money, money makes the world go round. Money, 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 money. All right, yeah, that's. Could mean only one thing. We're going to be spending some time listening to some money grubbing televangelists as uh, they, uh, well, fleece uh, people in order to, uh, you know, how do they put it? Put it uh, teach for shameful gain. 
the things that they they ought not to teach. That's what we're about to hear. And of course, Larry Huck is one of these guys who who likes to embrace the so-called Hebrew roots of Christianity or the Jewish roots of Christianity. The problem is, is he makes no distinction between the Mosaic Covenant and the New Covenant. And as a result of it, he, uh, well, um, yeah, he... Has he basically binds Christian consciences to the Mosaic Covenant and says that Christians are required, you know, in some way or another to, you know, fulfill the responsibilities of certain particular features of the Mosaic Covenant that have, well, you know, they no longer exist because Scripture says that the Mosaic Covenant has been done away with. It's been fulfilled. It's been abrogated. That's what Scripture teaches. Oh, but see, these guys, you know, they, they never want to miss an opportunity to, uh, you know, to create a payday for themselves. And so Pentecost is one of these uh, seasons, if you would, the uh, season of Shavuot, that um, that uh, the the, uh, the Jewish roots people use as a way of, well, making a great payday for themselves. Because if you remember, uh, there's three seasons a year when the uh, the children of Israel under the Mosaic Covenant were to appear before God. And that was a Passover and Pentecost and then, you know, the Day of Atonement. And uh, and so these guys are all over it, you know, and, and basically binding Christian consciences to some of the details of the Mosaic Covenant that no longer exist today, all in order to, you know, create the impression, false impression, that God is out there handing out blessings uh, to those people who send them money during these so-called uh, Jewish feast days. Um, yeah, and you, you, you kind of get the point pretty early on. Here's uh, Larry and Tiz Huck to explain. Hi, everybody. We're Larry and Tiz Huck, and welcome to today's broadcast. Now, make sure you stay with us, because we're going to show you, according to God's Word and God's calendar, that there is a time of year that God writes, it says in Hebrew, a writ of divorce Mm. for your life from failure and from poverty. Uh, Really? Really? The season of Pentecost is when uh, God writes a writ of divorce from failure and poverty. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is what we call a con. And that time is right now. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know, because you and your wife, you know, you've got to put fuel in your private jet, I'm sure. This teaching is going to change your life, you know, and I just felt... Yeah, it's going to change my life, right? If I listen to you, my my wallet's going to be a lot lighter. This, And it's going to set in motion... The blessings of God. Stay with us. Yeah, so it's going to set in motion the blessings of God. Yeah, see, when somebody starts talking like that, you can send in money and things like that, and it'll... It'll set you up, and God will God's blessing will will start flowing to you. This is the um, the Christian, and you have to use the word Christian very loosely, equivalent of a Ponzi scheme. These people are teaching for shameful gain the things that they ought not to teach. And of course, every time we cover Larry and Tiz Huck, Tiz is in there, you know, just basically going, "Oh, honey, keep preaching. Bring home the bacon. Bring. Oh, I got. Yeah, I need that leather trim on my new Maserati and think. Yeah, that's how they're thinking. Yeah." You know, we're talking about that there's a certain time of the year yeah. that, and it and it translates from Hebrew into English, right. that God writes for you and I, mm. for you, yes. a writ of divorce, but not the way we think of divorce, right. but a divorce, God writes a writ of divorce from failure, mm. from poverty, from yes. lack, and it's a debt cancellation. Yeah. And that time of the year, and most people don't know this, is the time that we call 
Pentecost. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep preaching it, honey. Oh, I, if we're going to get that third story on our mansion. I could just feel it. Uh, many of you have heard us teach this, but I think it really needs to re- be repeated that in Malachi, when God says, return unto me and I'll return unto you. Yeah. And they said, man, that's great, Lord. How do we return How? unto you? And God says, in your tithe, we know what that is. Right. Yeah. And again, Malachi 3 is Mosaic covenant. There is no new covenant command to tithe. We're not under the Mosaic Covenant command to tithe. But in your offerings, that three times a year, we're to come before the Lord. Now, if you've never heard this, listen to what we're saying. I've heard it so many times, I'm just shocked that there are this many people who are falling for this. Three times a year, Mm. we come before the Lord... And we don't come empty-handed. In other words, three times a year. Yeah, and by the way, come before the Lord would require you to actually appear before the Lord at the temple in Jerusalem. Oh, wait, there is no temple in Jerusalem. You see, but they they don't let those details stop them. They, they, oh, appear before the Lord means send money to a televangelist ministry. This is where, why Jesus said 30 60, a hundredfold. He didn't just make those numbers up. Three times a year, we come before the Lord and we don't come empty handed. We bring an offering. And the first one is Passover. The second one is, is Pentecost. And the third one is the Feast of Tabernacles. And every time we bring that offering, the Passover offering, the Pentecost offering, or the Shavuot offering, the Feast of Tabernacles, God opens the windows of heaven yes. for a 30-day period and pours out a mm. blessing, and each one is different. Yeah. But the one during Pentecost deals especially with the finance. I mean, this is just straight-up mythology. So let's see. If I appear before the Lord and I'm not empty-handed, that means I've sent in a seed offering to Larry Huck's ministry. During the season of Pentecost, a 30-day window of heaven is opened and blessings are going to pour out of it. Right. Yeah. If you believe this, I have some magic beans I'd like to sell you. Financial outpouring. Yeah. The spiritual outpouring, and God comes in and writes a writ of divorce, making Mm. failure and making lack be divorced from our lives. And every year, Tiz, it happens once a year, but this time... So God's divorce from failure is only good for 30 days? That'd be my question, because we're supposed to do this every year? Hmm... There's no way to get in all this teaching. This time, it's during the year of Shemitah, going into Jubilee in the four blood moons. If you have never heard Mm. of the first fruit offerings, this is ordained by God to be involved with this. Yeah, So, and the the little crawl at the bottom of the television screen says, it's time to sow your first fruits offering. LarryHuckMinistries.com, and they give an 800 number as well. Yeah, so you, I mean, don't, don't you want a 30 day window of blessing to open up in your life right now? Well, it could happen. 
You know, it's it's the season of Pentecost, and you know, and there's three times a year when you're supposed to appear before the Lord and not be empty-handed. So sow your first fruits offering by sending money to Larry Huck's ministry, and God's going to open up a 30-day window for for 30 days. He's going to cause divorce, uh, a divorce between you and failure. Where is he getting this? Pentecost is is spiritual, yeah, but it is also financial. Yes, and it is. this window is th- th- one of the most important, if not yeah, the most yeah. important, in our entire life. You know, Larry, I just absolutely love this teaching on Pentecost. I'm sure you do. I can't imagine how huge your bank account must be getting as a result of it. Because I think a lot of Christians are just kind of groping in the dark. Yeah. You know, they're trying to stumble into a blessing or, it, it, you know, like... The- Christians are trying to stumble into a blessing? Lottery or something. And yet here is God. He loves us so much. He is so concerned about our lives that he lays down these... Yeah, now the crawl below uh, her says, Pastor Tiz Huck. Now, see, if, if the word pastor appears before a name and the name is of a woman, that tells you definitively that the person who is claiming this title for themselves is a twister of God's word who disobeys God's word because God's word is clear. The pastoral office belongs only to men. It does not belong to women. So here's Pastor Tiz Huck. Again, the crawl on the television right below her says, Pastor Tiz Huck. That means everything that she's saying is false, straight up. Yeah, I'm just saying. We continue. Windows of opportunity. Exactly. These Moedims for us so that we can tap into all that he wants to do in our lives. Yeah. But one of the things about Pentecost, I think, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Christians are just, they're like, they never knew that Pentecost didn't start on the day of Pentecost in Acts. Yeah. You know. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And now they're playing on people's biblical ignorance. It's true. There's a lot of Christians out there who are so utterly biblically ignorant that they had no clue, and it's this is sad, that the Feast of Pentecost was, uh, you know, a Mosaic Covenant feast. That's right. To us now, it seems like, well, how could... You know, we were talking it? about this in the back, and you guys brought that up, yes. and I said, well, surely people know that Pentecost didn't start on the day of Pentecost, the book of Acts, and, and you guys were saying uh, most people don't most don't people know don't. where no. it came from. No, it's like the first time you hear of it is in the book of Acts. Oh, well, God must have named that day Pentecost because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Right. But what's interesting is why were all those people there in the first place? Exactly. And I think you need to explain a little bit of the history so people understand how important this day is. Well, you know, you know, the, the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then we read that on the day, when the day of Pentecost, Pentecost yeah. had fully come. The, 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 the word Pentecost means, it's a Greek word that means 50. Mm-hmm. But where did that come from? Well, it comes right back yeah. to God opening the windows of heaven yes. over your life and pouring you out such a blessing. No, it doesn't. I mean, that's absolutely patently false. By the way, the the Greek word uh, for Pentecost is Pentecosta, and it means 50th. And this stood for the festival that is celebrated on the 50th day after the Passover. 
in the Old Testament, this te- uh, festival is called Shavuot, and you know that is the Feast of Weeks, and it is referred to as that, the Feast of Weeks in Exodus chapter 34, verse 22, as well as Deuteronomy 16, verse 10, because it occurs seven weeks after the Passover. Other names for the feast include the Feast of Harvest because of its relationship with the harvest season and the Day of first fruits. and you can find this in Numbers uh, 28, 26, because two loaves of newly ground grain were presented before the Lord. So, yeah, the and the idea here is is that it is associated with the, uh, the, the first fruits of the winter harvest. So, yeah, what he's saying here is he's just sneaky, snaky. And uh, what he's saying is not true at all. But again, he and his wife, they're engaging in a purposeful and intentional con. You know, because they want you to sow a first fruits offering into their ministry because they are teaching that by doing so, you're fulfilling the requirements of the Mosaic Covenant regarding the this uh, particular feast. And nothing could be further from the truth. There won't be room Amen. enough to receive. Passover was the first of the offerings. You bring the Passover offering. Jesus was our Passover offering. And as until he returns, Mm -hmm. we are to bring a Passover offering. Yeah, Yeah, um, except for the fact that the Christians are under the new covenant, not under the Mosaic covenant. The Mosaic covenant has come to an end. It has been fulfilled. It has been abrogated. To, as a thanks offering as a praise offering for being delivered from Egypt, being delivered from sin. But then from the time that Egypt, Israel came out of Egypt from the, the, and and Israel coming out of Egypt is symbolic. And Jesus being the Passover lamb is symbolic of our salvation. Right. Most Christians stop at salvation. Yeah, yeah, good point. But you can go from salvation yeah. to the next level, yes. and that's the baptism of the Holy mm. Spirit, the power of... Uh, wait a second. There's no such thing as a Christian who is a penitent believer in Christ who is baptized who does not have the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, he's teaching falsely on another level as well. God and the prosperity of God. Listen to me. Mm. Most Christians come out of Egypt. That's salvation. Right. But from, from the time that Israel came out of Egypt till the day in which God gave the Bible, the Torah to Moses at the mountaintop, the 10 commandments from Israel leaving Egypt Till God giving the Torah yeah. was 50 days. Wow. 50 days. That's where we get the Greek word, not the Hebrew word, the Greek word Pentecost. The yeah. Hebrew word is Shavuot. Yeah. And so the reason why God waited 50 days to give the Torah is that being saved or coming out of Egypt is the beginning of the journey. Right. But God doesn't want us just to be saved. He wants to fill us with the power of God and the wisdom of God so Mm. we can... All of this is just utter nonsense. And again, this is really all designed to make a buck. And, And sadly, that's exactly what's going on here. And I'll fast forward this to, you know, prove the point. Here we go. Why didn't God say, start praying, start fasting, right. start being holy? Right. Why didn't he say that? He says, tithes hmm. and offerings. And wow. we'll read it when we get back. If we're not faithful with the least, 
which is money, yes. then he'll never give us the true riches, mm. which is the anointing oh, wow. and the Spirit of yeah. God. Now watch That's this. Right. The reason why the Holy Spirit could fall when the day of Pentecost had fully come wow. was because they were all there in Jerusalem mm. bringing their first fruit wow. offering. Uh, that's the reason why the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. Not because Jesus said he would promise, he promised to send it and then he fulfilled his promise. No, the only reason Jesus was able to send the Holy Spirit is because, <laughs> uh, the people of Israel were, you know, were there with their tithes. If they hadn't, if they had shown up empty handed, Jesus couldn't have sent the Holy Spirit. Wow. When God can trust us with that which is least. Yeah the offering, mm. he'll not only bring us financial blessing, but he will pour out his spirit wow. and there will be signs mm. and wonders and miracles. Amen. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Yeah. yeah. So you get the idea. You want signs and wonders and miracles? Well, God's got to figure out whether or not he can trust you. And the proof is always in the uh, the financial pudding, if you would. You want to get something from God? <laughs> well, you'd better pony up. God can't send his spirit upon you and uh, and do things in your life until, well, you know, you send money to a televangelist like Larry Huck, which is, again, why Tiz Huck, sorry, Pastrix Tiz Huck, uh, is always making the yummy sound. Now, we'll we'll stay under the uh, auspices of the uh, money-grubbing televangelist theme, and uh, let's tune to uh, T.D. Jakes and his re recent message entitled Dry Places. Here we go. Is a gift. I didn't always know that. I thought everybody had one. Yeah, he's talking about personalities. His personality is a gift. I thought everybody knew how to be nice and how to be pleasant and how to be cordial. I just took it for granted. I took it for granted. I grew up in a public service environment where I've always worked with people, whether it was sales. My father was in sales. He was in sales before he opened up his own business. And we've always had to interact with people. When he opened up his own business, we had to work with staff. We had to work with customers. We had to work with all types of people. And you had to have personality or you were broke. And you'd be surprised how anointed to be nice you are when you don't get paid for not being nice. It will make you smile. Good morning. Welcome to JCPenney's. And the reason you have to say good morning, welcome to JCPenney's, whether you feel like it or not, is that dry places turn people off. Dry places turn people off. So now we've got you know, this mention of so-called dry places. I feel like something weird is going on here. You don't have to be mean to be dry. Some people can't distinguish. Welcome to JCPenney's. And the You have to say good morning, welcome to JCPenney's, whether you feel like it or not, is that dry places turn people off. You don't have to be mean to be dry. Some people can't distinguish mean from dry. It wasn't that you were rude, you're just dry. So what do you want to order? I'll be back when you make up your mind. 
if you would just say that with a smile and some common courtesy, it would make both of our experiences better. And guess what? Your tip would be triple just because you learn how to be nice because nobody wants to work with somebody no matter how gifted they are if they're a dry place. There are people who are gifted enough to have the job, but you end up, you can't hire the person, not because they don't know enough, but because they are a dry place. And generally dry. What on earth does this have to do with Christianity? This are a learned behavior. If you're raised by somebody who acted out their moods in front of you, it teaches you to act how you feel. And you call it keeping it real. I call it keeping it broke. I call it keeping it broke and keeping it lonely and keeping it frustrated because nobody is attracted to dryness. Except maybe the devil. You know, it's funny you would talk about dryness because, you know, Scripture actually talks about dryness in the context of false teachers. Uh, If you uh, have your Bible, the book of Jude is where I'm at. And if you're wondering which chapter, uh, Jude only has one. Uh, So, you know, just to let you know that. But um, Jude uh, chapter one, the only chapter. Um, Let me uh, let me read starting at verse three. Beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who were designated for this condemnation. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of Egypt afterward, destroyed those who did not believe. Yeah, this, yeah it says there that Jesus is the one who uh, brought the people out of uh, out of Egypt. So, um, and why did they? Why did he destroy them for their unbelief? So, and uh, and angels who did not stay with their in their own positions of authority, but left their proper dwelling. He is kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people, also relying on their dreams, these false teachers, they defile the flesh, reject authority, blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people, yeah, they blaspheme all that they do not understand. They are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, uh, understand instinctively. Woe to them! For they walked in the way of Cain. They abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error. Balaam was the guy who prophesied for profit, if you would, and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feast. They feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding only themselves. They are waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, 
Yeah, see, you, you want to talk about dry places. The, the, one of the driest places you could possibly be is under a televangelist and money-grubbing Bible twister like T.D. Jakes. He is, uh, he is one of these guys who, according to Scripture, has sold himself into Balaam's heir, and as a result of it, he is a waterless cloud. That's what he is. But we continue. Because I think that it is an issue that the scripture says that the enemy walketh through dry places. What? He's talking about the devil walking through dry, dry places and that equates somehow that uh, the, the lady in the drive through at McDonald's, uh, if she's got you know a flat attitude and she, that, that equals a dry place? What are you talking about, man? So if, if I were if I were evil and I wanted to make sure I had access to you, I would do things to you to keep you dry. And that's what he's doing. He's keeping them dry. He's a waterless cloud because he's not preaching the soaking rain, the life-giving water of the gospel. Instead, he's teaching for shameful gain things that he ought not to teach. I mean, this is just absolutely patently absurd. You get the idea, though. Okay, we are up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. A jaw-droppingly bizarre sermon. Yeah, stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We're going to take a look at the ecclesiastical model employed by much of American evangelicalism today, especially as put forward by the seeker-driven movement. Chris Rosebro talking about his presentation at this summer's Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. We're going to take a look at where this idea of a vision-casting leader comes from, what its main tenets are, and we're going to compare that so-called ecclesiastical office to the biblical office of pastor to see if the two are actually synonymous and interchangeable, or if this concept of a vision-casting leader actually turns a pastor into a false prophet. You can meet and hear Chris Rosebro making the case against vision-casting leaders in the church June 19th and 20th at the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference in Collinsville, Illinois. For more information, visit issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. The Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. All right, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith Sermon Review Time. This is the part where you gotta really be careful because this is the uh, portion of the program with the really, really bizarre theology. I, 
I don't know what this is. Good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Jubilee Church in Sydney, Australia. And uh, I need to read a little bit about this church so you can kind of get an idea of what's going on because the sermon is actually a conference speech delivered at their Create Conference, Session 7, delivered by Izzy, and I cannot pronounce her last name. It's Digerzini or something like that. But anyway, Jubilee uh, Church there in Sydney was founded in 1997 by Finney and Izzy in response to a visitation slash vision from the Lord to reach Sydney's eastern suburbs. So they have a direct revelation from God. That's what they're claiming. It is a church with a passion for the manifest presence of God and a mandate to impact Sydney with God's love and to take it to the ends of the earth. Jubilee has a deep culture of prophetic worship and a desire to bring people into an atmosphere of glory. Over the past few years, we have enjoyed amazing outpourings of the Holy Spirit's presence, accompanied by signs and wonders and miracles, and we regularly receive visitors from other churches who come to get refreshed and empowered in the river of God. They also regularly host conferences in order to equip the church for supernatural ministry. So I think you kind of get the idea of what's going on there at uh, Jubilee Church and uh, the theology that you're going to hear in this sermon conference lecture. Yeah, it's going to be out there. So assume the crash position, don your tinfoil pyramid hat, you know, do whatever is necessary to protect yourself while listening to the sermon. Here is Izzy. Here we go. All right. Wonderful. What wonderful testimonies. What wonderful. The presence of God is um, so thick and so lovely. Um, I, I felt like I have a little inkling of what he wants to do, so I want to make sure I leave time. And he might do that in between. It doesn't really matter, but I... Um, Finn just prompted me just to also share just a couple more encounters um, of some of the things we've seen happen in meetings that um, have really changed our paradigm of who Holy Spirit is. He's very great, very big, and very wonderful. So notice, uh, you know, on some level, she's getting her theology from her experiences rather than the Word of God. Not a safe place to be getting your theology from. (laughs) And... um, but I, I, before I came here this morning, I really felt the Lord just give me this one scripture that I wanted to just ba- use that as our springboard, as our um, trampoline. This is the sky zone of this afternoon's. Right. Okay. Um. Romans 8 introduces us to the whole sonship 
about this, you know, in, in verse, I'll read to you from verse 15 just to give you a little bit of a back. It says, okay, I'll go from verse 14. For those who are led, Romans 8, 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That's you guys. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him, we cry, Abba, Father. So there's, there's a whole shift right there. You know how sometimes we think Holy Spirit's going to tell us what to do and we need to do it. Yes, we do. We have to respond to Him, but it's also changing the way we view Him. So that he's not just bossing us around. He's not God the boss. He's God our father. He's our dad. And it, it's not that you become over familiar with a dad, but he's a dad that empowers you. And that through relationship will enable you. You don't, let me tell you something, you don't want to disobey somebody you love so much. It's not that you, you don't disobey out of fear. Oh my gosh, he's the big guy. So I don't want to do anything wrong. But the paradigm shift that changes, what love will do for you is what nothing else will do. And that will empower you to be a cooperator and a relation, a relation to God. <laughs> do you know that you're God's relations? Uh, this is getting weird already. Did she go to the um, <clears throat> Bethel uh, School of uh, How to Twist God's Word and Make It Sound Like You're Saying Things That Are Profound? Uh, school of uh, Homiletics? He, like he, he actually wants that. It's not just you that wants that. He wanted that first. It was his idea that you would be sons. It was his idea that you'd be his friends. It was he wanted you. He's after you. He's way more desirous for you than you are for him. You know why? His desire is greater than yours. Is he greater than you? His desire for you is greater. His desire for you is greater than your desire for him. So that should just set you up for life. There is never a time where he's not in the mood for you. He's always in the mood for you. He's in the mood to, to speak to you and to relate to you as a son. He's not waiting to boss you around. But I'll tell you what, when you're that close to someone, they just click their fingers and you'll sprint. You'll do anything because you'll do anything for the one you love. All right? Okay. That was just the... That was just the hors d'oeuvre. Okay, let's go into this now. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. There's something inside of you that is going tick. Yes, that's true. All right? Now, if we are children, verse 17, then we are heirs. It means you get to inherit everything that's his. That's pretty cool. And you don't have to wait for him to die because he already did. It's true, right? It's funny. I agree. Jesus already died for you, so you can inherit. You don't have to wait for your dad to die because his son did. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So you get to co-inherit everything that he has received from his dad. Christ got everything, and he gives everything to you. You co-inherit with him. All right? Um, and it says, if indeed we share in the sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. That's just... We put that in brackets most times. <laughs> we read the good bits and it's like the veggies. We go, ah, uh, side of the plate. <laughs> Just eat all the veggies, all right? Eat all your veggies, people. It's really good for you. I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Listen, your worst day is nothing. And it's true. It's because of one thing and one thing alone. Because Christ became all suffering. He became 
every single misdeed and he became the one who did the deed. Do you understand? He became the sin and by that very nature became the sinner. He became, he became the very substance of sin. He became it, which is just the freakiest concept. That the... That's a little overcooking the scriptures there, saying that Jesus became the substance of sin. God laid on him the iniquity of us all. God made him to be sin who knew no sin. But see, yeah, you're overcooking the passage there. This lamb could actually become. That's crazy. I, don't, I actually don't understand it. I just accept it. But I don't, can't get my head around that one. It's like, to me, it's worse than was God not born. Like, that, that's okay. No, I can cope with that. But the fact that Jesus became sin, I can't get my head around that one. But it's true. That is what happened. I have to watch it and poke myself every time. Okay. Verse 19 says, For in view of all this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It's to do with the glory that is going to be revealed in you. You're not suffering for nothing. Like if, if all you think is I'm going to go through life and try and suffer as little as possible because that means I'm having a good life. That's not very ambitious. <laughs> Your ambition should be, I want to really experience the full glory of God and that it be revealed in me. I don't just want to experience it. I want it to be revealed in me. You know, like it's, it's great to be hidden, but then you really want the glory to go out, right? Because it, it's going to help. Yes? <laughs> Some of you are almost convinced. I think so. Almost. Possibly. Kind of. Maybe I will. What does this mean? <laughs> it takes longer to suffer when you fight. When you put up a fight, when it's not your life anymore, you don't worry about what it looks like. When it's not your life anymore, you're not so worried about what it looks like. The greatest territorial spirit is the one you have to deal with yourself. It's called you. (laughs) (laughs) That little nervous laughter just, okay, what are we dealing with here? What is this? It's territorial about your life. This is my life. It's my time. It's my zone. It's my area. It's my food. It's my world. You got to do the Smeagol voice here. It's my precious. Mine, mine, mine. No. So when everything belongs to God, the, the most freeing thing is when actually you realize that it was all a gift. And every day, every new day, it's not actually our day. I taught our kids from very small. If they wake up in a bad mood, I used to tell them, go back into bed. Why? And you come out a different way. Go back in there. I'm not going to allow you to treat God's day like this is God's day. You know, I have to tell myself and my husband even, go back. Come out of (laughs) No, it's such a... All right. What's with the uncontrolled laughter by somebody in the audience? What is this? Mission waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. It didn't say creation is busting to see the slaves. For the children of God, some versions say for the sons of God. And I'm going to read you another scripture. But it's the sons of God that are being revealed with what? With a glory. Glory will reveal you. It's, you cannot keep a good thing hidden. You cannot hide the glory of God. The glory of God is that, like you, you saw 
She comes up with her hands, and you cannot hide. Now, she's not actually exegeting. You know, she, she comes across a word in the passage she's reading, and she's not actually exegeting what that word means in context. She's just making stuff up and putting it around it, making it sound like, oh, well, here's what that means as it plays out in your life. Yeah, no, this is not exegesis. It's just oozing out of people. It's just, it's going to be like that. It's going to be like that, you know, where we used to say, oh, the gold dust, the gold dust. And everyone's like, people are shocked. Like that God would even put gold dust. I'm so offended by the gold dust. I'm like, people were offended by people getting gold teeth. Yeah, um, the, the issue is I'm offended by the false doctrine and the false claims of these false miracles. That's, you know, so I'll begin with the doctrine and kind of move out. And even if people really did have gold dust miracles occur to them, based upon the theology I'm hearing, I'm 100% certain, and I mean 100, that, uh, that none of this is from God the Holy Spirit. They're not offended by the heinous things that go on. The stuff that goes on in stadiums, the robbing, the killing, the stealing, the stuff. We're not, but you're going to church and some people get a bit of gold dust and they get offended. Or gold teeth. I'm like, what's it to you? Let people have their gold teeth and gold dust for crying out loud. The reality is, is that it's not meant to be for these four walls to offend one another. The suffering is that you actually get to figure out what it looks like when gold dust spills out. And where your testimony becomes, people actually ask you, why, why is that happening? So, where's the oil lady? Sue, she went. She said to me, some people say this is for healing. And so Sue, her hands this morning, I mean, you saw it happen, right? I held one hand, the other hand started pouring with oil. I mean, that's a sign and a wonder. What is? No, that's a parlor trick. There's a difference. Well, I believe, you know, when I woke up this morning with that song, well, for such a time as this, what is that? Where's that from? Esther. La Vista. No, said something else, sorry. <laughs> Affected by the Spanish people here. Yeah, not that one, but the Esther. So Esther, what happened to her? She was she went into a preparation time where she had the ministry of oils <laughs> to make her beautiful. And I feel like the oil is actually to make us attractive. It's going to attract <laughs> So, because Esther had oil treatments to help make her beautiful, she <laughs> she thinks the this this so-called oil miracle that uh, is happening is there to make them all beautiful. Oh my! To ask you, what is that for? You don't just say, "Well, that's obviously to heal you." You don't. You, one plus one is not equal to two. God has other equations. He does algebra. Division, subtraction, you know, it's like sometimes we I feel like we make God like this little kindergarten mathematic God. It's she can only do that in our little grid, in our little one times one table. Now God is into multiplication and into exponential. So whatever it is he's doing, we, we're implying that he could heal through that, but he could also be just beautifying people, or he could be making you attractive to others. So so we got beautification miracles going on there at uh, Jubilee Church in Sydney. People start to ask questions. So you can expect the signs and wonders wherever you go. Now that poses another question. Are we going to be seen as weird? Absolutely. What happens when you start to manifest things you're not supposed to? When your money starts to double, you're at the tool, you run out of 10, and you start to rub the 10 notes, and then three tens come out. I don't know. What will we not be able to multiply? I'm not trying to be ridiculous here, but I'm saying out of necessity, God will actually multiply. 
Now, people need the love of God and people need the beauty of heaven. They do. They are looking for that. They are looking for that. They are looking for God. And so creation is groaning. It didn't say the created people are groaning. Creation actually means everything that's ever been created. So if you look up the word creation, it incorporates everything. It's everything that was made that wasn't there before, which is pretty much everything. So God's world, he has, it's like he's set a timer. And he's got, there's going to be a big question mark in pretty much everything that I've created that's waiting for you. And not just any old you, but the you that is able to respond as a son. Because God, because the world doesn't recognize slaves. That's why they're anti-religion. They don't like slavery. Do this, don't do that. You come to church, you do this, don't do that. Now you do this, now, you, now you're a little robot, short and stout. Oh no, that's something else. Hang on, that's teapot. Yeah, sorry, I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> but... Do you know, that's, that's the mentality of religion. It will squeeze you into a form and it will kill all creativity. Have you noticed how re- religion does that? Religion is at the root of communism. Communism is a religion. It actually killed... They, they, um, Jay- it's actually a political ideology. It, it, it has religious-like properties, but it technically is a, an ideology. And locked up all the poets, all the philosophers, all the painters, all the artists. Anybody who had the capacity to describe. Why did they do that? Because that's what religion does. The spirit of religion will kill anything that has creativity in it. And let me tell you something. You, what's in you is way greater than the, than the biggest religious spirit. What's in you is much greater. Greater is he who, that is in you than he that... Yeah, by the way, this is not biblical preaching. I don't know what she's doing here, but this is not in biblical exegesis, sound biblical hermeneutics. I mean, this is, I mean, she sounds like a female version of Bill Johnson from uh, Bethel Church in Reading. uh, Clearly, she's tried to model herself off of how uh, Bill Johnson preaches, and this is not preaching. World. So that gives you a hint of what you'll suffer. All you're going to suffer, the worst thing you're going to go through, is people hating the fact that you can create something out of nothing. How come you can do that? They hated Jesus for that. Did you see how angry they got when he healed people? They had to find a reason for why they were angry. It's because it's the Sabbath. It wasn't because it was the Sabbath. It's because they couldn't do that. Uh, what? You know? And it wasn't just that. It was because they weren't getting healed. Man, you'll never see a religious spirit like when you see people not get healed. It'll raise up everything. Let it come out. Let it raise its ugly head and get that thing out. Get that mentality out because he owes us nothing. He owes us nothing, people. God owes us nothing. He has put in us the spirit of life which has saved us from death already. So there is nothing that he hasn't done. What we are seeing being manifested is a different thing, and that's what the angelic realm comes to assist us in. So let's carry on reading. I'm just going to finish here. And then we're going to release some stuff. Viruses? What are you going to release exactly? For creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in the hope that creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into what? into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. I just realized you're not reading it behind me. I'm just wondering why you're not reading. 
into the... Oh, okay, I get it. I'm reading from Romans 8.21. It's in the Bible. And it says that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and be brought into the freedom and glory. Say freedom and glory. Freedom and glory. Okay, that's you. You have twins inside of you. One's called freedom. The other one's called glory. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know what this is. Yeah, let, let's for let's take a sanity break for a second here, um, and let's go back to Romans eight verses, and I'll start at verse eighteen, and uh, see if we can do a, at least do a little bit of biblical exegesis here. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, um, yeah, the uh, the yeah, the word there is kairos, so this current season are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So. You know, the current sufferings you're going through, the season that you're going through, this, you know, the, Paul here is talking about the sufferings that, uh, you know, maybe that the Church of Rome was experiencing at that time, persecution for their faith. And we can, by, you know, kind of extrapolation, point out the fact that when we go through a time of suffering, that uh, that is a season of it and it'll eventually come to an end. And that ultimately he's pointing to the resurrection in Christ's return and glory. So uh, I consider that the sufferings of this present season, this present time, are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Indeed it does. Uh, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So this is talking about, again, when does this happen? When Christ returns to judge the living and the dead. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who are who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for uh, the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience." So, you know, you know, the idea here is in light of whatever trials you're experiencing right now, you can kind of read it this way. Um, you know, this is nothing compared to the glory that we will be revealed when Christ returns. And this is our hope of the resurrection for the creation to be set free from, uh, you know, corruption and futility. And, you know, in the, in the creation itself is groaning, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. You know, and that would be us. So, you know, this is an important passage, but what she's doing with this is criminal. It, it, in fact, it's farcical is the best way. So apparently you have twins inside of you. Did you know that? Yeah, you have twin. One's called freedom, the other's called glory. Yeah, no, the, you're not exegeting this passage, is he? And if people say to you, do you have two personalities? Absolutely. <laughs> He's joined your personality with Christ's. And let me tell you something, <laughs> if you had to take some of the people from Jubilee, just a handful of them, randomly from any group, anywhere in the room, and take them to a psychologist, I can guarantee you, all of them will be labeled something like bipolar. You see what? You hear voice? Yeah, you- wow, I mean, that, that woman cackling in the background, <laughs> creepy. What? And you see, and then what happens? Then I start to tingle. Tingling, huh? Mm. 
Sometimes we go numb. Ooh, numbness. Mm. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Bipolar is the, is the counterfeit for God's kids. And that's why it's such a prolific... Di- Bipolar is a counterfeit... For what? It's in a nation that hasn't had the gospel infiltrated. We have one of the highest numbers of people being diagnosed in Australia per capita. I'm telling you now. The highest level of people being medicated. They've been medicated into a state of, of, of gaga. And it's not actually helping. You see, the reality is you can take a person... And I've seen mentally ill people get healed because we don't know. You know, once you label a person mentally ill, it's like saying to someone, you've got flu forever. Imagine you get flu once. You've got flu forever. What's wrong with that person? Why do I want to use them on the ministry team? They've got flu. It's different, you know. This flu is different. (laughs) I'm not trying to belittle mental illness, but I'm telling you something. We've made a God of something that ought to be brought low. Because there's no reason why if flu can be healed, why can't something in your brain be healed too? I'm saying this because I love people and we're going to see more and more people gravitate to the glory and we're going to wonder how we're going to be able to discern what God is saying, what people are saying. Listen, let Jesus figure that one out. He's very good at turning slaves into sons. See, slaves want rules. Slaves want definitions. Big brothers are really good at that. I don't want a big brother church. I don't want a big brother church. I remember a couple of years ago, there were people that would stand at the back to, to kind of grade the manifestations to see if they were, we're really concerned about this person. They're moving like the snake spirit. I'm like, listen, if something has to come out, let's, I just go intensify God. So if it's evil, it's going to come out, right? It's not going to stay in there. If it's, it's going somewhere, it's making a sound in order to go. I just think we need to just say more, Lord. More, Lord. And if you're busy, so busy getting filled and transformed, we're not going to be policing. I'm saying this because we're going to see more and more increase in the manifestations of God, and we won't always understand why. I don't try and figure out. I don't ask God why. I just say more. Because if it's evil, it's going to go, and if it's good, it's going to get better, right? All right? You can't get too much of God. What is she talking? This has nothing to do with Romans 8. <laughs> okay. And the last portion says, we know, 8.22 says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. That's applicable for now. Listen. We talked about childbirth earlier. and Don't worry, we're not going to go into anything. But can you imagine that the whole creation has been suffering as though in the pains of childbirth? How long do you think it can carry on for? How many of you would be happy to watch the same woman being labor forever and ever and ever? That's just cruel, isn't it? I just think the love of God is going to accelerate something so that creation gets some relief. <laughs> Again, the referent is to when Christ returns to judge the living and the dead, and it's the day of the resurrection. Yeah, there's no relief from the curse until then. You know what I mean? And guess what? You're part of that creation. You get relief. 
Some of you have been laboring so long and you're saying, God, you touched me like 10 years ago. I know I experienced you. I know that I came into something and I felt like I lost it. What did I do wrong? God's saying you did nothing wrong. It's like what Dan was saying. He's still there. He's just moved and the season's changed and you just got to go wakey-wakey. Wakey-wakey to the fresh of what God's... Wakey-wakey, what? Oh, man. Didn't um, um, Bill Johnson's wife... Benny Johnson say wakey wakey. I think I've seen that before. In your life now, it's going to look different. And oftentimes, because there's different legions for different seasons. Really, really. I have seasons in my life where I do the all nighters. I'll stay up, I'll have. And usually, about the time that one of my close family members will start to brag about it is about the time it stops. And I start sleepy sleeping again. And I say, God, what is that? He says, because I'll never allow you to get into it. Whatever you start to say, this is the form, it'll change. So I just want to help you. If you have a season that's really sweet and lovely and you don't want it to change, don't advertise it. <laughs> just shh. Enjoy it quietly. I always tell people, people close to me, I go, if I share something with you, don't broadcast this. This isn't for broadcasting. There are things that you make public and there are things that are private. And those private things are very sweet. And the Holy Spirit will shy away from the celebrity of his personality. You know, he loves to have fun. Listen, I've seen fireballs fly around the room, and we're going to have some of that fun soon. But he's- you, You've seen fireballs fly around the room, and you're going to have that. Oh, they play with fireballs. Apparently, that's the kind of fun that takes place at Jubilee Church in Sydney. Right. Celebrity. He's actually a personality which is greater than a celebrity. A celebrity you celebrate only because they're doing flashy things, but a personality you love because they're your best friend. And Holy Spirit, as he becomes your best friend, will actually turn your groaning into a birthing. What on earth are you talking about? Where are you getting any of this? So that your suffering is not for nothing, because it would be really awful to go through all that labor and then to just give birth to wind, like it speaks about It's like a massive fart. Like, what was that about? That's what it says in the Bible. It's in the Bible. I didn't say that. God did. (laughs) I apologize. Holy. Just to wake you guys up. Here we go again. I mean, this is kind of like the Heidi Baker demonic laugh thing going on here, too. Yeah, this is, um, yeah, I don't know what this is, but it, whoa. We continue. I have your attention. For the tenderhearted, I do apologize. A mild apology, but I do. Um, But that would be awful. To give birth to nothing. That's why he says if you suffer, it's because you're actually, something is going to come out of you that looks like Jesus. (laughs) That's what we hope it looks like. All right? So you're going to give birth to something that's going to look like Jesus. Wow, this is not what Romans 8 says at all. I mean, she's got the text open on her laptop. She has no clue what the text says. Wow. Always know who the dad is. <laughs> you know a tree bites fruit. You know the kid by the, what it looks like. Right? If it's a happy feet, you know it comes from heaven. 
I've said to people, listen, I don't care if you've studied all your life. I cannot come under a theology that does not bring me into freedom or glory. I don't care how many years you've studied this religious thing. I won't buy it. I'm not coming under it. I'm not living. I'm not going to strap myself in to an eject seat. I see. Yeah, well, at least she's open about the fact that she's into the theology of glory. Yeah. No. No. I, I, I'm on the steady road, and I want God to teach us, and the Holy Spirit is the greatest teacher. And I do listen to teachings, and I do weigh up the things I don't just sprout out. And I do wait for a couple of years before I speak about anything. But I want to leave that with you, that as sons of glory, you are groaning for a reason. So groaning looks like something. Sometimes you can be laughing your head off. Sometimes you feel nothing. You know, I've known women who've given birth and it's actually painless. I've known women that have to be anesthetized, baptized, comatized, everything tized in order for that child to come out. The main thing is let's get the baby out. It's not, no one's going to write in your epitaph. They gave birth naturally. It's going to come out. So let's just get the thing out happily, all right? Let's just get it whole. That you just, that's the main thing. It's not the vehicle of what happens. It's not how you produce. It's not the noises you make. It's not the manifestations. It's not how loud you scream as the head's crowning. No. It's what does that child look like? What are you actually carrying? Because the journey is as important as what you release. Tell you something, I used to have a weird thing. I've had six times of this. And every time the baby was out, I was both relieved but also quite grieved. Because I thought, oh, I miss not carrying it around. It's really easy. When you're pregnant, you just get up, you walk, right? You get up, you walk. That child follows you everywhere. <laughs> you don't even have to think. You just get up and it's with you. And at the end, it's suffering. You think, God can't take it off. I see if I could just take it off for just 10 minutes, just for relief, you know, because you know, the more stretchy and bendy you get, it just feels like you just, oh my gosh, <laughs> it was like a, a whale with penguin feet, you know, why was I saying that? I was going somewhere. So taking it off. Yes, that. It's easier. Thank you. That's the great. That's the one. Thank you, Finn. Sorry. I mean, thank you to all of you. But you were wrong. Okay? That's <laughs> brilliant. Okay. <laughs> so, it's very easy to walk around. But once it's out... You're relieved, but you also will never carry the same way. Let me tell you something. You will never labor through what you're laboring through right now ever again in the same way. You will never struggle through what you're struggling through today in that way. And if you learn to endure with happiness, not like I'm suffering for you, God. <laughs> oh, man. Insanity has broken loose there, and it's masquerading as uh, theology. Wow. I thought that was quite good. <laughs> Sorry. Some of you are a little bit shocked. Like. <laughs> when it says the suffering is way less than the glory, it actually weighs less. Have you looked at the scale? You put your suffering. Try and do this one day. Say, okay, God, let's get the scales out. All right. I'm going to put my little suffering. Let's take it all out. Every bit of suffering that I... So you start to unpack it and you go, well, 
One of my family members has been rude to me on the phone. So you put that on there. He goes, "Mm mm-hmm. And you realize it actually hasn't moved the scale at all. (laughs) And you go, okay, let's try a more heavyweight one. I lost my wallet. And so, and he's like loaded. God's loaded. He goes, I'm your dad. Okay, is that a problem? And you go, my phone fell into the toilet. (laughs) Not looking at anybody in particular. Nothing moves on the scale. Your friend fell in the toilet. Okay. (laughs) I've done it three times. No, no, I'm kidding. No, 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 take it back up. That's the wrong page. (laughs) You see, the glory of God far outweighs anything that we could go through. And I'm not by any means belittling anything awful that can happen. I mean, I've given my testimony around the world and I've said, look, I experienced, um, you know, 10 years of really intense abuse as a child. And, and it was, and I, you know, some people have tried to psychoanalyze me in this church and they go, yes, we can see sometimes you're ministering out of that, you know, part and this part. And I kind of feel like I'm this mosaic person kind of, no, I'm not. (laughs) I feel very whole. You see, when Christ heals you, he, it's an adhesive. He actually shows you that he's covered it all. But when you've gone through that, you can put all that on the scale and even that is not going to tip the scales because what has Christ not suffered for that couldn't cover So do you understand the glory has a context and it's God. So if you put God, if you could put him on a scale, (laughs) let's be ridiculous now, just for a moment, just for semantics. If you could put him on a scale. You're only being ridiculous for a moment. That's not what I'm thinking. The whole sermon, you know. And you put every problem that you had, would it shift anything? Would it shift any suffering? What about suffering for him? What about take away all the yucky stuff, the good suffering, Okay. You, tell, you pray for somebody and they slap you. You give somebody money and they take more from you. All the stuff, you're trying to be so good. You're being so faithful year after year and nothing's shifting. Well, even that couldn't budget, really. So the only thing that makes this worthwhile is if, on the other hand, you're not doing this balanced thing, but you're actually going, okay, God, you're on one side. If I could put you on a scale and you're on this side, I'm over here. So how about you just bounce me out? Isn't that what God does? He says your glory will far outweigh them all. What happens when you really outweigh something? It's called a seesaw. Have you ever played this as a kid? I did with my big brother. And he, every time he says, I'm not going to do this to you now. I'm not going to do this to you, Izzy. Come sit on the other side. And I go, okay. And I'd sit on the other side. And being my big brother, being the same person that he was all the time, he would swing up and down then gain momentum until he flicked me off, Right. And every time I thought it would be a new day, he did the same thing all over again. Why? Because he was heavier. And he was stronger. And he was very intentional. All right? Now, it was a fun game, and eventually I learned my lesson and didn't go back on there. But the point is this. God is bigger than you, and you're on the same seesaw. And he's not playing games with you. He's actually getting you to come on side. Because all your troubles are going to get catapulted. Once you are with him, a slave will always be opposite God. But a son is with him. And you don't understand how heavy you make him. (laughs) I have no idea what she's talking about. You add to his glory, you don't take it away, do you? So he's weightier for having you as a son. 
When it says, blessed is a man whose quiver is full of sons, how blessed is our God? How blessed do you make him? The fact that he makes himself vulnerable to you blessing him is mind-blowing. But what would be the point of him suffering for you if he couldn't bless you? Because he was doing exactly the same thing. He was looking at his own suffering going, I'm not doing this for nothing. I know what's coming. The joy set before me is that I get to, as I go down, all the sons come towards me. (laughs) Winner takes all. And God gets all the goodies. And so you're the goodies of God. And that's why he ministers to you and ministers through you. Because there is no greater prize for him than you as a person. When you're with him, he'll make you feel like you're the most important person that has ever lived and breathed. And that's how it ought to be. It's not like you're going, God, I know you're real busy and you've got lots of kids. It's me, remember. Oh, okay, you're busy now. I have to come back. He's not like that. He'll focus in on you. So we're going to do some fun exercises. I'll tell you one story about the fight. So you're good. You've got a teaching. I quoted the Bible, so you're happy now. Okay, so I can tell you stories. Okay, so we were in Hong Kong about five years ago. And yeah, we- I, I told you something from the Bible, so now I can just launch into personal stories. That's literally what she was saying. Uh-huh. Um, we were ministering to a wonderful group of people just with Robin Glenda. In fact, it was just his 60th birthday, which we missed because we had a conference here. But um, we had this conference and quite a couple hundred people came, about 300. And we're ministering um, after we led worship and it was a session where we were ministering. And I was on the stage with Finn. We were just kind of watching what God was doing because it was, you know, that sense when Holy Spirit's moving, but nothing sudden has happened. And all of a sudden the air changed. And I've never seen angels move so fast, but it was like two rows, one on either side of the hall, lined the hall. How fast did the angels normally move when you see them? And they were fire. It looked like um, angels of fire. They were on fire. And the one at the back was the head angel because he was bigger than all the rest. And his head was really big. kind of looked like a match that was on fire already. That's what it looked like, his head. And he had in his hand a torch. And he went to one of the people that I knew uh, was, was visiting, and I knew them. And this angel, and I'm watching this happening with my eyes. And this angel went behind him and put his torch on this man's head. And I said to Finn, so-and-so is on fire. He goes, what? So an angel torched somebody. That doesn't sound like uh, something from God. That sounds like something from the nether regions. I said, so and so, I'm trying to speak. I mean, how do you say, big man, big man, big torch, him fire, hoo, hoo, you know? I don't know how to speak quickly to code language. How do you even, you know? Those were early days. So I felt like a cave woman, but I'm like, ah. Oh. Anyway, this man jumps out of his seat now, doesn't know who's behind him. He's running to the front going, my head is on fire. And I'm going, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. I'm like, you knew that, right? It's like so cool. Anyway. The next thing, it was pandemonium. Because Finn just said, well, release them. And I'm like, I don't know what to release. I mean, how do we, what, we haven't done this before. <clears throat> we would like to, no, we didn't do that. I just said, well, Lord, we just thank you for the angels of fire that you've released. I think it's something like that. I can't remember exactly. But it was just pandemonium. People were thrown up and out and through chairs. A couple of people actually went through their chairs. Like their bottoms went through the jolly chairs. There were 26 chairs were broken in one meeting. It was pandemonium. One, only one person that I knew had a bit of a scratch, but it was a graze. It wasn't even, no blood, nothing. Just a bit of a graze because the arm went through the chair. 
They look what happened. I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm just so glad you're not bleeding. But I mean, it was crazy. They got shot out and over. People had encounters that were transforming. There were baptisms of fire. And so I got back, we got back to Sydney and I was reading a book on, on that other people have written, which is fabulous to have people that have gone before us. And they were talking about revivals where angels of fire have come. And it talks about the angels around the throne. Now, the throne has a lot of fire. Jesus has a lot of fire. He said, I will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with? Great. So it's all biblical, right? We don't have to be. Yeah, you're not correctly uh, giving the right reference there. Right. Of Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. If you desire for Holy Spirit, you're not going to get the wrong thing. I remember one woman in South Africa, she, I've told the story here before, but she was very nervous about what she might receive in case she got something wrong. You know, we don't want to receive the wrong spirit. And so she'd stayed outside these meetings. She says, our leadership said that you guys are really a bit off and, and I'm really nervous about, but she says, but I come to the door and I feel the presence of God. So I'm really torn. I said, that's okay. How about we just pray for your whole church and your leadership? So we just blessed her. Blessed the church she came from, blessed her leadership. We said, God, thank you for them. Thank you for this wonderful people. And then we said, right, what do you want? She says, I don't want to be afraid anymore. I said, that's easy for God. I said, so we just command all fear to leave. And she got instantly drunk. She was in her 60s. And this is a good thing. A 60-year-old woman supposedly got drunk on the spirit. And where in scripture are we led to believe that Christians are supposed to get drunk on the Holy Spirit? Conservative Afrikaans lady really prim and proper. And she's standing there and from being so frightened that the wrong spirit will come upon her, she goes into like a New Zealander haka mode. Yeah, clearly the wrong spirit did fall on her. And she begins to, she begins to like shout and roar over Africa. Africa! And I'm like, wow. But she was drunk in the spirit. Her face was red like she just gulled a whole bottle and she was gone like as in we were not there anymore for her she was totally in God's oh, how do you do that well she just got a baptism from God himself so we never have to worry because God says if you ask him for for bread he's not going to give you what as you see you guys know the Bible so he's not going to hoodwink you and go ha 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 he won't do that so whenever we ask Holy Spirit don't ever be afraid that something you know, alternative is going to happen to you because I really don't believe God's greater than everything. And yet the thing you're describing doesn't even sound remotely like God, the Holy Spirit. God is greater than everything. I've, I've been in Buddhist temples running around the place completely filled with Holy Spirit because God is greater than the Buddhist temple. And it kind of freaks the... the filled the with the Holy Spirit in a Buddhist temple. A little bit because I don't know what's, what are you doing. Um, but, you know, we're not mocking anything. We're just actually, God can fill any place, any, you in any place. God can fill you anywhere. And, um, so we're going we're gonna to thank him for baptisms of fire today. Fire is really good. I don't think we've ever seen a corporate fire baptism like that again. Uh, we haven't. Not quite like that. We've seen, we've seen outpourings and people being baptized in many different ways, but not fire like that. But I just want to encourage you. Does anybody feel really hot in any part of their body right now? Just experiencing heat. I want you to come up real quick. Thanks, guys, if you want to. Come up real quick. And here's what we're going to do.
there, there is the administration of anointing, which we're going to do. But then there is administration of angels. And I don't know if you noticed, but it doesn't matter where people are in the room. It doesn't matter if you go into another room even. Nothing moves from where they are because angels are assigned. When angels are on assignment, they do the will of God. They're God's deacons, all right? So if they're experiencing fire, we're just going to do a little test and just see if, um, if there are angels that want to minister to them. And I'll know because I'm not going to be anywhere near them. And we're just going to see if God is going to do that. There's no pressure, right? Money back guaranteed. <laughs> Did you give any money? No. Okay, so apparently we're, she's going to practice what she's preaching. All right. So you can't buy this. This is glory. It's worth gold. All right. So what you, what you girls and guys are going to do is you're just going to ask Holy Spirit to intensify all right, so whenever you feel something, you want to engage with that. You want to go, oh, that was nice. I just go, Man, there must be more. Because, like, I'm still standing. I'm still corpus mentis. I want to be out of my mind. Well, listen, we're uh, so she's telling them to get out of their minds, really? Minds most of the time. What you want is to get out of your mind. When you're out of your mind, you're in another realm. Your brain. <laughs> Nowhere in Scripture are we told to get out of our minds. This is not a manifestation or a teaching on the Holy Spirit. This is the thing that will put you in touch with demonic spirits. It's to disengage in order for you to come into the realm of the Spirit because it's those who are led by the Spirit, not those who are led by their brains. But your brain can take over, your, your spirit can take over your brain and utilize your brain as an organ that is designed by God, not, not as your governing organ though. Otherwise, we'd never pray for cancer because there's no sense in me going like that, going in the name of Jesus, cancer, go, because that's just my finger. Do you understand? So I'm saying you disengage your brain in order to release something supernatural. All right, so you just you keep asking Holy Spirit to intensify. Yeah, Scripture nowhere teaches to you know release your, bl- your brain in order to get something spiritual. All right, so... And now some lady there who's standing up is all of a sudden, she's convulsing. Why should I believe this is the Holy Spirit? Just say, well, I used to pray this. He said, Lord, however much I can take without me expiring and going into eternal realm forever, well, how much can I experience? Listen, I'm trying. Yeah. I have to take my watches off because if it gets too hot, my batteries go in my watches. <laughs> it's true. I've, I can almost have a watch for three months without changing batteries. Yeah, so the volunteers up at the front, they are convulsing and out of control. Yeah, this isn't the Holy Spirit. But otherwise, it just goes poof. It's what it is. It's getting very hot. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not demonic at all, is it? Okay, some of some of you others are experiencing that now, and you can just receive right where you are, or you can do another little group over here, so that we haven't, so that you stream is happy. We've, we've got we've got the left and the right brain happening. Do we want a little hot group here? 
You're welcome. It's safe. more volunteers are coming up to get whatever's being passed out, but it's not the Holy Spirit. Okay. Holy Spirit loves you, but the angels don't want to be bored. So how about we just release some fire? Okay. (laughs) So the angels don't want to be bored, so they're releasing fire. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Now, when you feel heat, angels are called angels of fire. They have a tangible, hot sensation. All right? What does fire do? Fire purifies. Fire purifies you. It doesn't matter what you look like. The main thing is, God, I want, I want that purifying. You come through like gold. Gold is heavier than anything else. The gold is the glory. So you want to say intensify the heat. Intensify this heat, Lord. Intensify the heat. <laughs> yeah, again, that's not dem- demonic at all. Wow, this, the fact that anybody would think this is Christianity and this is the Holy Spirit, as beyond me. I mean, this is blatantly, overtly demonic. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Yeah, now that's not a manifestation of tongues. That's something completely different. Jesus. How many of you are feeling hot just where you're sitting? You're feeling hot where you're sitting. Come in the middle. Quick, 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 quick. Man, I'm so hungry. I want to be the first one. Oh, my God. It's like the first day. It's like my first date with Jesus. 
You want to be on fire, just respond quickly to him. <laughs> you know, you can't be greedy. You just got to, you got to want more when you're in God's presence. You don't get to do this every day. This is such a fun time. There's never been a day like today. <laughs> yeah, take two steps forward wherever you are, especially the side people. Right. Okay. Yep. <laughs> oh, my goodness me. Wow. It is. So electricity, when you feel the power, that's that often, you know, when the Lord speaks about his righteous right arm, sometimes you'll feel either in your right arm or your arms, electricity. All right. So we're going to do something a little more fun now. But we do need catches very quickly. Especially pregnant women. Wow. Be observant about what part of your body is hot. Can you all feel it or do some of you feel all over hot? Hot on your head. Hot on your hand. Hands. We have hot hands. Hot feet. Anybody got hot feet? I want you to do something. This is your first exercise. If you've got hot hands, put your hands together. Put your hands together. You can't put your hands together. (laughs) Just your head. Put your hands on your head. Put your hands wherever it's hot. If it's your feet, put your hands on your feet. And just say, more Lord. More Lord. Did that increase for you? Okay, now I want you to do something that I haven't done in other groups before, but I want you to welcome your angel. That's, I just want you to just welcome. Welcome the ministry of the angels that's been assigned to you. You don't have to ask its name or start talking about fashion. Just welcome the activity of the angel in your life. Just say, I welcome... God, what you have provided for me, I welcome this angelic. Yeah, they're welcoming uh, fallen angels. All right. For some of you, that's quite something quite new because you didn't actually believe that you had angels assigned to you. All right, now I want you to do something else. If so, some, I can just see mind shifts. You know, the Bible says don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. That only happens when you don't think of yourself highly in God's eyes. You are so esteemed by God that there is nothing that he would withhold from you. But if you think you're more special because you have more angels, I just want you to repent of that right now. Change the way you think and just drop that. (laughs) And just let that one go because you're going to feel the intensity of his spirit activity in your life. (laughs) Shaharama, tikaba. Okay, awesome. Here comes the next exercise. Lightly touch the person next to you, if you can. Very lightly touch the person next to you. And you're just going to release. Release the fire. (laughs) 
and receive the fire while you're releasing it. Don't just be a giver. Humble yourself and receive. Yeah, humble yourself and give some fire while you're at it. Oh, my. What on earth is this? out. Holy. Holy. Yeah, there is nothing holy about this. This is about as unholy as it gets. If you're feeling left out in your seat and you want to sit next to one and receive some prayer, you can do that. Right? Sharamatava. Okay, how many of you, there's a couple I know, definitely this side, you're feeling like a, it's like a contraction feeling, like you just, there's something in you that's, you, you feel the frustration <laughs> of something that has to come. I want you to give that frustration to God right now. And I want mm-hmm. you to say, Lord, this is nothing in comparison to glory. And I promise Yeah, this is not what Romans 8 means at all. You're going to go to a whole new level. This is the way. This is the way transformation happens. You're not focusing on the frustration. You're actually giving it to Him, because He's now empowering you to give birth to something that you haven't seen. You don't feel the reason why you're frustrated is you want to see what it's going to look like, but God is actually saying it's you that's coming out. <laughs> so you're giving birth to yourself. Um. Wow, so it's you that's coming out. Excuse me while we take a gratuitous uh, excursion into the movie Shrek 2. Oh, boy. That's coming out. Don't be so frustrated with yourself. You are coming out. It's all good. (laughs) And we see you. (laughs) 
Sharama. Sharama. So, Father, we thank you for the sons of glory. We thank you for the sons of God in this room, the sons of freedom and the sons of glory. And we thank you that your glory is weighty. And we thank you that your glory is your Kabat presence, the weighty presence of God, the impressed, impressed presence of God. And, you know, the glory of God will impress on you and reshape you. That's what he does. So that whatever you speak, the reason why it takes a little while is because if in the presence of glory, you begin to speak that which is negative, you begin to birth something negative so fast. So he protects. None of these statements are biblical. What this woman is saying is utter demonic nonsense. He shields you out of his mercy. He protects you so that you don't give birth too quickly to something you wish you hadn't. He shields you and protects you, and that's why it's a longer process. You know, it's kind of like elephant labor. You know, we just feel like we're carrying the world. But <laughs> Elephant labor, spiritual elephant labor, yeah. It isn't. God is actually co-laboring with you. It says we co-labor with Christ for Christ to be formed in you. When Paul was praying for the churches and praying for Christ to be formed, it wasn't like a heavy-duty job because he actually said, I work with all this powerful, amazing energy working in me. He was actually a really happy apostle. He wasn't always ticked off, you know. He didn't carry the Corinthians on his shoulders. He wept out of joy. He says, every time I think about you, I am so happy. And that's how God thinks of you. And he's watching over what he's put inside of you because he's performing that work in you. And he's performing that work through you. And you are a sign and a wonder. Some of you have been saying, God, I don't see much happening through me. And God is saying, "Is actually, you are the greatest work of art he has ever created. You are the greatest sign and wonder. You are the beginning of that sign and wonder. Everything you do after that will be... You are the greatest sign and wonder. What? Sign and a wonder. For some of you, even just to be in this meeting is a sign and a wonder. For some of you to be comfortable in this meeting, to be lying on the floor in this meeting is a sign and a wonder. And you've got to celebrate all of that the way God does. The way God, that's a big deal. And it's a big deal to God. So God, we just thank you. And you might feel the atmosphere change. Some of you may have felt that already. Yeah, that's the uh, feeling of the you know heavy thickness of darkness and evil when a demon enters the room. There's like a there's a, another wind that's coming. <laughs> wow. Somebody help that woman. She needs an exorcist. Sometimes people wait also for things to be completely fixed in their whole families, in their family line, and they get obsessed about the family line. Let me tell you something. Once you're in God, you're a child of God, you have a brand new family line. So don't even worry about what you could inherit genetically, because God's He's got great genes. What are you talking about? He has great genes. <laughs> he's, you've inherited some amazing 
genetic. Come on, Alanya, you have inherited your dad's genes. Everything. Everything. All right, so there's our sermon from Izzy in, uh, in Jubilee Church in Sydney, Australia. And unfortunately, I think the people there now need an exorcist because uh, she totally mangled Romans 8. The manifestations that appeared had nothing to do with the actual Holy Spirit. I think they were demonic. And, of course, was Christ and him crucified for our sins proclaimed? Were they called to repentant faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins? Yeah, no, not at all. This is scary stuff, to say the least. So what do you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Until tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, by carious death on the cross, for all of your sins. Amen.